Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. Thanks for being here, and happy spring. The next week has a lot going on astrologically. So with spring and the new moon and Pluto moving into a new sign for the first time since 2008, it really feels like a fresh start and new beginnings for me. I'm really excited to see what this next season brings into my life. Today's guest is Liz Phillips. She's a former kindergarten teacher and special ed teacher, and she's now a spiritual life coach and Reiki master. One of the things we discuss is the importance of feeling emotions in your body. I recorded this episode several months ago before I took different courses, and one of the key things I have been learning is that when your nervous system is dysregulated, cognitive function doesn't work. Anxiety is one example of dysregulation, so if you're feeling anxious, telling yourself to calm down isn't going to work. You really need to understand where that emotion is in your body so that you can work through it from that place instead of just trying to think your way to a different emotion. This has been a game changer for me to understand. So I love that Liz has been able to bring awareness of this to kids and to her work. In this episode, Liz also talks about the benefits of meditation and gives meditation tips. So if you've tried meditation before and it didn't work for you, maybe you'll find this helpful. We also talk about what Reiki is, how it works, and how it relates to your chakras. So without further ado, let's welcome Liz to the show. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited you're here. And the way I like to start all of my guest episodes is by having you choose either blue or red. And I will choose a question from a blue book or a red book, depending on what you choose. I have to go with blue. I love this. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay, guys. What will the minimum wage be in the United States 20 years from now? Oh, my God. Will I even be alive? Oh my gosh, I hope so. (laughs) Um, Let's see. This is such an interesting question. I expected some sort of like spiritual. I don't know what they. They. I'm Uh, telling you, they're so random. Some are spiritual. Some are not. (laughs) Okay, I got to think for a minute. In 20 years, sadly, I think it will only be about 27 dollars and 27 cents. What's the minimum wage now? Am I right? Like in my clothes? Well, I think it might vary by state. I think so, too. In Wisconsin, it's $7.25. So let's see what it is in Massachusetts. <laughs> you can't be serious. It's fourteen twenty-five. Yeah, I thought it was around 15 Okay. All right, everyone, move to Massachusetts. But it probably costs too much to live here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wisconsin. It's probably based on income, too. Yeah, so, right? I think, you know, we have lower taxes here in Wisconsin, but... $7. They call us Taxachusetts, so that's oh. probably an indicator as to. <laughs> yeah, half of that $14 goes to taxes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought it was around 15 so I will stay with my 27 and 27 cents, just because I like those numbers. Amazing. And I, I love repeating numbers. I'm all about it. 
All right. I would love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about what was Liz like as a child? What did you do for fun? What was your personality like? I just got the chills. All right. I don't know why I just got the chills, but um, again, I wasn't ready for that question. And I love it. As a child, I was really quiet. I was living in a lot of fear. So I don't feel like I was able to really express myself. To have fun, we went outside. We always were outside. We lived outside practically. We weren't really allowed to come home until the streetlights came on. We went in to eat maybe something quick, but that was it. And when when I was about four, I taught myself how to ice skate because we lived next to a field that was flooded in the winter and it froze so people could skate. Um, well, they flooded it so people could skate. So I taught myself, I threw my those ice skates on and just put myself on the ice. And being outside doing that was probably my happiest. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. And, you know, I think that's kind of our generation. We were put yeah. outside and like, yeah. don't come home until <laughs> well, dinner. What I, I didn't mention was I was the youngest of eight. So getting oh. the kids out of the house was probably a priority of my mother's, which mm. I would not blame her in the very least at all, because eight kids in a house is a lot in a small mm. house. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't in a big house, I think would think it. Yeah. Yeah. This was a small house. This was a three bedroom. I love house. your story about ice skating. When I was a little older than four, I don't know, probably eight, maybe ten. I'm not exactly sure, but I was like, I want ice skates. I want ice skates. And so I got them, I don't know, for my birthday or Christmas or something. Tried it once. Couldn't do it and quit. I was like, no, nope, <laughs> well, mine were always me. hand me downs. <laughs> mine were always hand me downs. If they fit, that would be great. But a lot of times they didn't fit. You just put on extra socks or something. There you um, go. Yeah, it was uh, the other thing that we. This is funny. I'm having a random memory. I remember I said I was a really quiet child. Well, I've become not so quiet as as an adult. We also, <laughs> my mother used to put on um, Wonder Bread bags on our feet. Yes, to keep them and dry. Then, yeah, and then put on your <laughs> skates or your boots. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a layer of protection. I love that story. So do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up when you were young? I, oh my gosh, I never really had any aspirations back then. I truly was. And I know I, I was simply surviving, just, you know, getting through day to day and skating periodically. I definitely loved singing. Um, I forgot to say that. So being a Sagittarius, I had all of these ideas of like, one day I'll just be a famous singer and everything will be fine. But I don't sing as an adult at all. Um, Not even in the shower or the car. Like, Oh, I, I sit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do all of that. I was thinking of taking um, singing uh, lessons with my daughter. And I said, we're going to start uh, a mother-child harmonizing band. And she's like, I'm all for it. I think singing is such a great thing for people to release and express. And it's just, it feels good. It hires your vibration. Absolutely. I love singing. So I know you became a teacher for a long time and now Mm -hmm. you teach meditation and Reiki. So I would just love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about your journey to get there. So I actually didn't become a teacher until my mid thirties. I I became a parent uh, at 22, which was really difficult because I was alone and I was raising her on my own for a bit and went back to school to become a teacher. I was a restaurant manager. I was a bartender. I was at everything. And it was the restaurant management job that uh, snapped me back into reality. I developed a psychosomatic cough. It's the only thing I can, it's the only way I can describe it. When I was working, the last few shifts of my management, restaurant management job, 
uh, because I gave notice shortly after that. I was coughing uncontrollably and I couldn't catch my breath. And I almost threw up a few times. And this was every time I was at work and I pulled muscles in my head and my neck and my back from coughing. It was violent. And um, I finally said to my immediate supervisor, I said, I don't think I can can do this anymore. I'm, I'm having a hard time. She's like, well, can you do a part-time? I'm like, no, I think it's the job. Like I, I, I just can't do it anymore. And so it was at that point, I was like, well, what is it that you want to do? I was in my thirties with a young child and I, and I decided that I should go back to school and be a teacher. Now, was that something I've always wanted to do? No, no, not really. But in every position that I've held up until that point was either teaching, training, mentoring, guiding, something. So I knew that I I was a coach at some one point as well for sports, cheerleading actually. So I knew that I liked to help in that way, teach or coach or mentor. So I decided to go back to school. And because I was a single parent, I actually was able to go back to school and not have to pay for my undergrad degree. I got um, financial aid. I got loans or grants. I don't remember, but I didn't have to pay them back. Uh, for very small amount of money, um, maybe $600, which is insanity, I finished my degree and I became um, a teacher. So I did that. <laughs> I was a kindergarten teacher and then I went back to get my master's. I was the first person in my family. And I told you, the youngest of eight to ever go to college. And it was just a huge accomplishment for me. And I did it. And then I was my the first one to get my master's which is required in the state of Massachusetts. If you teach, you have five years, um, which people definitely extend, but you have five years to get your master's in teaching. So I went right back and got my master's and did that on the weekends. And I picked up more bartending. And then I became a special education teacher. And I did that for, I think, four years until I went back into the classroom as a regular ed teacher. And finished out my last five or six years teaching as a kindergarten teacher again, which was my favorite. But it wasn't long after 2016-17 school year, which was really a really difficult year, that I decided to ease my way out and do something else. I started meditating in around, around 2010, and then I did my training in 2015 and I started my Reiki training around the same time. I think it was 2014. So both of those things at the same time, I was teaching in school, but I was learning these things too. And also, you know, meditating, but also getting Reiki and just coming to to start my healing journey, which I didn't realize I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I knew I had stuff to work on, but I didn't realize that I was embarking on like a whole bunch of crap if you will, just letting go and unveiling and, and and uncovering and understanding myself more and knowing this is why I'm that way. I mean, I came to the conclusion that I became a kindergarten teacher to save my five-year-old self. And when I realized that, I think that's what finally clicked in my head that I don't need to be doing this anymore. I'm not here for the pension. I'm not, you know, like, Loved my summers off. That was great. But the actual job of teaching in a public school is really hard for me to imagine right now. And it's not because I can't do it. Um, I have a lot of experience doing it, but I want to help kids in, in other ways now. And, and I wouldn't be able to do that as a teacher. 
you know, like I can bring mindfulness and meditation into the classroom, but I wouldn't be able to talk about Reiki and energy and emotions and holding on to them and how unhealthy that is and all of that stuff. So I can do it in my own way. So that's where I am now. I started my business in 2017. Um, At the time I was traveling from yoga studio to yoga studio to other places doing this stuff. And then in 2019, I found um, an actual physical space that I opened in the town that I live in. Just this year, 2022, I moved to the place that I am in right now. Same town, different location. Amazing. (laughs) That is such a beautiful story. And congratulations on being the first in your family to graduate college and get a master's. That's such a big deal. And I know how important it is to so many. And so I congratulate you. Thank you. I love what you said about that you became a kindergarten teacher to save your five-year-old self, because I think we are starting to understand as a collective how important that inner child is for us. And, you know, a lot of kids go through a lot of things. I know. And we don't (laughs) realize the impact until we're adults trying to make our way through some of this shit if that we're, we're lucky if we're lucky to know and yeah. understand and be aware that oh yeah I know I went through a lot sometimes we put it off like yeah I know I, I, I went through a lot but I'm sure there are kids who went were, were had got had worse you know and that is the case but our stuff is our stuff your stuff is your stuff like it's it's bad because it's ours and it was adverse I have a lot of compassion around people's stuff. That's what I call it. I call it stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And I know I've heard it called big T trauma, little tree trauma. And, you know, it's, it's not a comparison. It's not a competition. (laughs) You know, if you had things that happened to you that were traumatic in any way, Mm -hmm. you know, then it's something that you get to deal with. And so, because your inner child needs that. Yeah. The term adverse childhood experiences, that those words make more sense to me because it's adverse. It's not, and and that can be personal, I think, you know, it's adverse. It's not what was expected for you. Yeah. It might be different for anyone. I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot firsthand as a kindergarten teacher that would surprise you, I think kids these days, they really have a lot of things to deal with. I used to, when I worked in my corporate job, I worked with high schoolers in the local neighborhood. A lot of these kids, they would get up, they would go to work before they went to school. Yeah, You know, they'd have incarcerated parents. They would have parents that were murdered, you know, some really intense stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to assume that their younger siblings or even when they were younger, dealt with this stuff, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a cycle to to try to break for sure. I know you yeah. talked about that you could bring meditation into kindergarten. And so I would love to talk a little bit, even hypothetically, if you didn't do this when you were a teacher, but just a little bit about social emotional learning in public schools and the benefit of teaching meditation and mindfulness practices at such a young age. Uh, district that I worked in, we were lucky enough to have some social emotional learning curriculum loosely, a loose curriculum. So it wasn't a standardized state. It was something that some teachers created in the in the um, building that I was in specifically, and then was shared with the district. It was based on the zones of regulation. So we actually were able to teach, how are you feeling? Where do you feel it in your body? 
How can we get back to learning? Because when you're not in the green zone, they call it, then you're not calm and ready to learn. The zones of regulation is actual social emotional learning tool that we uh, used. It was a visual tool as well as, you know, we, we developed some lessons around it. And it was whether you're in the yellow, red, blue, or green zone. I don't know if you're familiar with the zones of regulation. So we were able to use that in our classroom. And really, it's just identifying emotions, you know, naming it, how to get back to the green zone was the ultimate goal. So you can be ready to learn. And when we're anxious, we're not able to retain information. And most kids feel anxious when they're at school. Most kids um, have a hard time communicating how they're feeling. So that's what we did in kindergarten. We talked a lot about emotions, how they feel and how to get back to the green zone. My aim and my goal is to work with where do you feel it in your body? Because a lot of kids say, I have a stomach ache, I don't feel good. And they go to the nurse, you know, instead of stopping and saying, well, let's, let's talk about that. Do you feel anything else? So that's what I would do in the classroom. And we always are teaching them self-awareness, social awareness, awareness of others, you know, around you, awareness of how you come across to others. And we didn't, I did meditate in the classroom. I did, I did teach them how to breathe and focus on like the things that they hear in the classroom. I use a lot of YouTube resources. I just use my own knowledge. There are so many yoga for kids online as well that we would do throughout the day. Um, we did a lot of becoming aware, aware of yourself and your body and your how you're perceived and all of that in, in my classroom. And I love that we're talking about kids, but all of this yeah. is applicable <laughs> to every human on the face of this planet right now, because I think what we tend to do as adults, and I think you had the perfect example where kids are like, oh, I have a stomach ache, but really it's something else. So allowing ourselves to ask the question, where do I feel this in my body is such a good question. And it's one I ask my clients sometimes depending on what they're going through, because that is such a key indicator of what is actually going on. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you asked that of your students because it just brings more awareness to what's actually happening. Yeah, you know, it comes from my own experiences. I have felt until I started this these practices, completely disconnected from my body. Like, what do you mean? Where do I feel that? I'm just angry, you know? <laughs> and it's like my head just floated above my body for my whole life. And I rarely was connected to the physical body at all. And that can be very detrimental. You know, I'm not always con like connected and aware that I have a body <laughs> now, but I'm more I'm connecting to it. Like I am intentionally making a point to notice how my body feels um, when I meditate mostly, which helps me then to connect throughout the day because it brings the awareness in that I was practicing during meditation that helps me to become more aware during, you know, throughout my non-meditative day. So yeah, I, I've found that I was always disconnected from the body and it's always so nice to be able to give kids words too. And perhaps that mental checklist, because that's what I do too. I have a mental checklist like, oh, I'm feeling anxious. Do I have anything to feel anxious about? Is this my feeling? Like, is it coming from the room or the person next to me? Or what is this, you know? And I literally go through that checklist. So I was try trying to teach kids the same, like, are you, is your belly upset because you're nervous today? But I don't also want to put it in their head that, yes, that's what I am. <laughs> you know, it was such a balancing act with kids, you know, mm. helping to give them the words, but making sure it's truly what they're really feeling. And it's their words and not 
me feeding into something. Yeah. I know you work a lot with meditation and my listeners for the most part are very familiar with what meditation is, but some of the things I hear a lot are, I don't have time. Meditation isn't for me. You know, I don't know how all of those things. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about those things. This is my specialty. I would be that person for sure. My mind is insane. It is always thinking. And you know, we have up to 80,000, if not more thoughts a day. So when you sit and meditate and you sit and you decide to sit and you're like, I can't, I'm just, I'm just, my mind is busy. Yeah, it is. Everyone's is. It's okay. You're not, you know, special. Everybody has a busy mind. Everybody has thoughts that come in and go. These are my tips. Uh, research shows that six minutes or more twice a day is the minimum amount. If you start with just six minutes once a day, then you're you're good. And when you set a timer for six minutes and go on Facebook uh, or Instagram or your whatever given distraction that we all have, no judgment, I do it. <laughs> but I do set a timer, quite frankly, especially for TikTok, because I can just I could be on there all day. If you do set a timer, set it for six minutes and once a day is fine. But if you're, it, it, you'll see how fast it goes. So that's the first thing. Six minutes, once a day to start, right when you wake up, make sure you're sitting up because that's the best, but you can lay down. I just fall asleep if I do that. So I sit up, start with six minutes and do six minutes for two weeks. I don't care. You can do six minutes for the rest of your life. However, I like to, I'm a data numbers person. So I like to compare and be a little bit better the next day or the next week or the next month. And if you have a goal to start a meditation practice, And maybe after two weeks, you add the afternoon meditation in for six minutes. Or if you feel comfortable at six minutes and it goes by really fast, add another minute. So that's really easy, easy, easy. Find an app or a meditation that you like that brings you um, to the present moment or brings like your mind to think of one thing. So you could just be listening to a meditation and they're talking about gratitude and they're speaking the whole time, but your eyes are closed and you're breathing and you're listening to their voice. And that's it. That's meditating. It's easy. Put on some classical music or some meditation music, which is a little different. It's instrumental, of course, um, or some sounds like a rainstorm sound machine. I love that. I use it all the time. If you're thinking a lot, say, oops, I'm thinking again, and then listen to them, like connect to whatever it is your focus is. I use affirmations a lot. I use my breath a lot. If you're a beginner and you have a lot of intrusive thoughts, and I say intrusive because they just can't go away then I would have something out outside of you to focus on and not inward like your breath or an affirmation that you think when you breathe. I think that that outward distraction might help you a little bit better. Insight Timer is my favorite meditation app. There's so many things to choose from and time. You can pick a meditation based on the time you have. So if you have six minutes, then you have enough time. That That's that problem. Meditation isn't for me. Oh yeah, I had this at a workshop that I did recently. And I was like, well, let's try it. And it was probably six minutes or so. And she's still like, yeah, it wasn't for me because her thoughts were going like thoughts and thoughts. And she didn't want to sit quietly. A lot of people have a hard time with their own thoughts. You might want to explore that through journaling after the meditation. That would be a suggestion. If you try it and you just couldn't focus on one thing, then write down all the things that came to your mind when you're done and just put it on paper and look at it. And then the next day when you sit and you try Write it down again and see if there's a pattern of thoughts, because maybe it's something you need to address. If there's a 
scattered thoughts, then try a meditation where you're thinking of one thought. Again, every meditation and every person is different. There are days when I just do six minutes and that's it for me. I can't do it again in the afternoon. I I have been regularly meditating for a long time now. And I have to say, it doesn't necessarily get easier for me. So if that helps people, I drop into the meditation quicker when I shut my eyes and take a deep breath. I'm able to get focused real quick, but then my thoughts start just like everybody else's. And I, I just know that when it's there, I just connect to my next breath and just breathe and, and feel the breath. So what were the excuses? Not enough time. It's not for me. Uh, the last one was, I don't know how to do it. Like, oh. I don't know how to meditate. Okay. Well, if you don't want to download an app or you don't have a computer for YouTube or you can't find one, I would simply close your eyes, breathe, count your breaths, breathe in and out. And in your head, say one. But when you're breathing, feel the breath coming in and count them. See how many you get to before you get distracted (laughs) because you will. (laughs) And then if you realize, oh, crap, I'm not paying attention to that breath, breathe, you know, connect to the next inhale and start counting again and see what happens. I like affirmations though. So I am focused. Repeat that with every breath. I am focused. I am focused. I am focused. It'll help you to get focused. One of the biggest misconceptions is that people think when they're meditating, they're not going to think. They're not going to have any thoughts. Right. So people think that they are not supposed to have any thoughts when they're meditating. And I always tell them, you're going to think you're a human. That's what human (laughs) brains do. But just acknowledge the thought that it's there. Like, thank you thought for coming in. I will address you later. And then go back to your breath, go back to your affirmation, go back to whatever it is that works. Yep. Whatever it is. I'm a big fan of Insight Timer as well. Oh, good. Well, I was recording two meditations to upload actually to Insight Timer. I have one measly meditation on there and I'm like, I need, and this was years ago. And I'm like, I just need to get my act together. Uh, So that's what I was doing before we signed on. I was recording um, some, some meditations. That's amazing. I love that. What benefits can people see from meditating six minutes a day or 12 minutes a day? Physically, mentally, what will change within them? Well, you have to practice daily um, in order to see, to reap the most benefits. Um, And they also suggest between 30 and 60 days consecutively before you actually notice a difference. But I would say that you would notice a difference right away in the way that you respond to things in front of you, to situations that potentially would upset you maybe before you would step back. You tend to create this space between an action and a reaction. You tend to create a little bit more of space and time before you respond to something. And it's truly more of a thoughtful response than it is a a visceral reaction. So that's one. Um, There are so many other benefits. Some people have reported uh, better sleep. So help with insomnia, depression, anxiety, organization. You know, we talked about kids earlier and kids with ADD or ADHD have um, executive functioning disorder. And that is simply being able to organize, uh, let's say for kids, a project or or adults, like you have uh, this one big thing that you need to get done and it could just be your laundry, but you don't know how to start. You don't have, you can't do it. You don't know that first step. So that helps build. It's the prefrontal cortex of your brain. Um, and helps strengthen that. And it also helps with memory, lowers your blood pressure, uh, helps to lessen the feeling of pain. There's so many benefits. It's just like, why doesn't everyone do it? I don't get it. Those are 
pretty much the major the benefits. What I felt, what I feel is um, increased like um, inner peace. And that sounds very cliche, but it truly is like, I'm a little bit more calm inside. And I don't know if people notice that on the outside at all. And that's okay. I don't care. It's really about how I feel on the inside. And of course, if I am lowering my blood pressure, I am slowing my heart rate down. I am minimizing intrusive thoughts. Again, I have those thought distractions all the time. My my brain doesn't stop until I sit to meditate, but then I still have them. They still come in and out, but it minimizes my crazy train of thought that I have. So it's really helped me a lot. It's also helped me to identify if I am feeling pain. You know, we talked about connecting to the body. It helps me to identify the severity of the pain. If I breathe through the pain, it's actually lessened. And meditation has helped me to become more aware of what I'm feeling. I think it's improved relationships for myself as well with others because I've, I have realized, you know, because of my past, I might be this way, uh, you know, a certain way um, and becoming aware of it through meditation, the awareness of things has helped me. It's also helped me to realize my worth. It's helped me to set boundaries with people who may have taken advantage of me in the past. I allowed to take advantage of me in the past. So there's there's other benefits other than just the ones that I mentioned. Yeah, there's so many. And I just want people to know that if you've gotten off the meditation wagon, you can hop back on at any time and you just will- Just like when you get distracted during meditation, you can yeah. just connect to the next breath. It's all the same. And you'll start immediately again. start reaping the benefits right away, like you said, because it's it is almost like riding a bicycle. Although I haven't ridden a bicycle in probably thirty <laughs> years, and I, I'm afraid I probably couldn't actually do it. You can but. no, you totally can. I started <laughs> during COVID. I I pulled the bike out and um during the quarantine, like 2020, filled the tires up, washed off all the cobwebs, <laughs> oiled up the chain. I was like, oh my gosh, I can ride a bike. You can do it. Yeah. And you're right. Same with meditation. And it's almost like your brain and your body knows exactly what you're about to do. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I had kind of gotten away from it and I'm now starting to get back into it again. And it is, I immediately drop right in. You know, I meditated the other night for only about 20 minutes or so, but it was like so peaceful and calm. Like you said, it was like, I was almost like, oh, I don't want it to be over, but I get so into it that I like almost like leave my body. So I Mm -hmm. have to like kind of start wiggling my fingers and my toes when I know like, okay, it's time to start coming back into your body a little bit. Otherwise, that's why I like that that, that app. I use the timer for the timer, the insight timer. And in that timer, it rings a bell at the end. So that helps me. So let's talk just a little bit about Reiki. I have never had Reiki done. And so I would love for you to tell my listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with Reiki. Do you, how does it work? Reiki is a form of energy healing and it helps to balance your energy centers, which are known as chakras. We have seven major chakras in the body from the root to the crown, but we have a lot of little chakras, which are just energy centers in the body and around the body. Each chakra is connected to something physical, emotional, spiritual, mental. So like your root chakra is connected to your feeling of being grounded, safe, and secure. It's connected to um, everything physically that's down by the base of your spine, you know, the organs in there, flexibility in your mind, believe it or not. So because if you're inflexible and you're thinking, it's it's created from a sense of um, fear, like you're afraid, or if you want control over a situation, it's because you are fearful. So that's connected to your root. 
and I'll quickly go through them. Sacral chakra is right below the belly button. And um, so it's the next one up in the energy system. And it's connected to uh, our passions, our emotions, um, your reproductive organs. <laughs> that word couldn't come to my brain fast enough. Creativity. I think I said that. I don't know if I did. And uh, sometimes we store guilt there, you know, shame, guilt. Right above that energy center is the solar plexus chakra. And that is connected to our identity, our self-worth, ability to follow through with things. You know, I often say sometimes we don't follow through with things because we don't feel subconsciously somewhere deep down, we don't feel like we deserve it. So why would I finish that, you know, continue on that exercise plan or that diet or finish my laundry or even go take a shower? Because I, you know, like I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be happy, healthy, happy, clean, you know, like it sounds maybe extreme, but it happens. So that's the solar plexus chakra. And then your heart is the center, the center of the seven. And it's right in the middle of your chest. And it's, of course, connected to compassion, self-love. Um, gratitude, pain and loss, uh, circulatory system. If we practice gratitude every day and we really feel gratitude when we say I'm so grateful for X and we really feel that gratitude that opens the heart chakra, which actually is the center of manifesting too. So then we can manifest all the good things that we deserve or want or can imagine. And then there's the throat, which is right between the collarbones and the, and the neck. And that's our communication center. So that's really speaking and listening. And it's about mindfully speaking and listening. And it's also about listening to your inner voice um, and honoring it. Singing, that that creative expression comes from the throat as well. The creativity comes from the sacral, but this, the actual expression of it comes from the throat. That's also connected to your thyroid and connected to breathing, lungs, you know. And then there's the third eye, which is right in the center of the forehead. And that's our intuition. It's it's also co- closely connected to the crown chakra, which is at the top of the head. And it's a lot of mental stuff. So when I say that, I mean, if you're feeling anxious or depressed, if you have um, intrusive thoughts, all of that stuff, it's all connected to the upper chakras. You could have severe headaches, migraines, if they're out of balance, you could have nightmares, indecisiveness. There's a whole bunch that goes on with those two. Um, and I found in my practice that a lot of women are open up here and close from the throat down. So then Reiki just balances all of those energy centers. So if one of them is out of balance, Reiki will balance it and it's universal energy. So the energy is just comes through me send send it to those people so that when I'm putting my hand on the back of someone an inch away, the energy is actually reaching them and getting to them. I don't have to touch them. However, I actually do hands-on in my practice. So I'll put my hands on a cr- the crown chakra, the third eye chakra around the throat, but not touching because that's scary, um, above the heart, on the solar plexus and the sacral. And I do the hips and knees and feet and the arms and the hands to spread the energy around. So it really just balances. And it can also help to release emotions that we're storing in those energy centers too. Mm. So Reiki, and it goes right where it needs to go. So I may not know that they're storing something in their heart, but the Reiki will help to release it. Can people do Reiki on themselves or do they need to see a practitioner? They can absolutely do it on themselves. So the thought was years ago, before we started to rely on medicine, that 
everyone had the ability to heal themselves with their hands. Of course, we need medicine and we need doctors and we need, I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't claim to heal anyone of anything, but yes, there are levels of Reiki to learn. And I do teach the levels and level one is considered for yourself and for your family. So you get attuned to open up the energy flow again. So it flows through your hands, through your crown. I think there are people who are naturally natural born healers and may put their hand on themselves or like, you know, I always put my hand on my heart area, or they may like just their gentle hands on you, you feel something. And I do feel like people still have that energy flow within them. Um, but Reiki level one does open that flow if it's not open already. And yes, you get you can give Reiki to yourself and to your family. Uh, so beneficial for kids and pets. That's really just nice. Amazing. So that yeah. is a great lead into, I would love for you to tell my listeners, where can they find you and how can they work with you? You know, I'm in Massachusetts and my website is mainstreammeditation.com because that was the name of my old business. I just haven't shifted that yet. So it's mainstreammeditation.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. My business now is called Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And I'm on Instagram as well under the same name. Um, I do offer some things virtually. I am not only just a Reiki master teacher and meditation teacher, but I'm also a spiritual life coach. And really it's just life coaching, but talking about energy and mindfulness and un and uncovering beliefs and shifting mindset work. That's what all of that really is. I do periodically do virtual 30-day meditation challenges. Just started one this morning on Facebook. And um, I also on Wednesday, once a month, do offer one of my meditation classes virtually. It's one of my favorites. It's called Yoga Nidra. I will link everything for my oh, listeners thanks. in the show notes. And I know you also have a podcast. Would you like to tell us what that is oh, yeah, called? The podcast is called Heal, Conversations to Guide You Toward Personal Growth and Overall Wellbeing. We're near the end of our second season. And it was with my daughter. It was me and my daughter, Britt who rarely comes on and hosts with me anymore. It makes me sad, but that's the podcast. And we talk to people who have gone through hell and now use that to help others to, you know, help them to realize their worth, help them to overcome some adversity or trauma. Those are really inspiring stories to listen to and to yeah. motivate you to do something different with your life. And yeah. Speaking of inspiring, you have been inspiring as well. I loved oh, hearing your story. Before I let you go, I'd like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions, meaning you don't have to answer them quickly. I just want you to answer the first thing that comes to your mind so my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Okay, I'm ready. What were you doing the last time that you lost track of time? Probably driving. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love no, going a, for a drive sometimes. Yeah. So I, I put on my absolute favorite band and I do sing in the car and I, I tend to lose track of time that okay. way. Who's your favorite band? Oh, hello. Mumford and Fun. Mar oh! Marcus Mumford. Marcus <laughs> Mumford just released a solo album on September 16th. And I, yes, did buy concert tickets to go see him in November twice. Once in Portland, once in Boston. I'm obsessed. I so love if he happens that. to be listening. <laughs> Oh yeah. I'm sure he's a listener of my podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. I'm ready. What is something you're excited about right now? Oh, this podcast. I love talking to people. Yay. I love yeah. talking to people also. 
How would your best friend describe you? I think they probably would say that I'm funny. I think they think that I'm pretty silly, but caring and yeah. kind. I don't know. That's really hard for me to answer. <laughs> I have a hard time with that. All right. Yeah. What does the world need more of? Awareness mm-hmm. of others and self compassion. All right. Last one. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? Keep going. It's all good. It's all going to be good. Don't take off the ice skates and give up, right? (laughs) (laughs) Keep singing. (laughs) Don't stop singing. You have been such a delight. I'm so glad that you were able to join me today. And I can't wait for my listeners to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It has been such a joy to talk to you. I love talking to people. I love what Liz said about being able to create space between an action and a reaction and how meditation actually gives the control back to you so that you can thoughtfully respond in a way that feels good to you. Liz also mentioned a lot of great health benefits of meditation. So if you're not already on the meditation bandwagon, maybe this will inspire you. Links to connect with Liz are in today's show notes. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating and review. We need people to have more conversations that matter. And by leaving a review, you help my podcast get seen by more people. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about. 